This is Jeremy from Wild Talk, and you're listening to MASHcast on Mash Those Buttons. Episode 165 of the Mash Those Buttons Mashcast. I am Jared, and I am here with the scourge of Iron Forge, games industry public defender, and pun master, Nick Zellenkevich. Hey, how's everybody doing? Yes, it is. Uh, sorry for my absence last week. Uh, somebody got married. Nothing I could do about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. You got to break those marriages up. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's the goal. You know, save somebody, right? Exactly. Save Go life. On. Nobody should ever get married. It's a terrible institution. Says the married man. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, this is episode 165. Thank you for uh, Jeremy for hopping on last week and helping out with the podcast in my absence. And thank you, Nick, for uh, running the show while I was gone. I do what I can. Yes, yes. <laughs> but now I do, what, I do what my wife lets me. <laughs> ah, there, there you go. That's the key. That is the so, key. Now, uh, I guess uh, let's... Back to business. This week didn't seem really uh, all that news heavy. Maybe because everybody was like, well, "We don't want to release anything in the vicinity of BlizzCon." I don't think anybody cared about BlizzCon. I, 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 well, I'll admit, from my perspective, it was very news heavy because of BlizzCon. But I think, I, don't, I think more people would have been concerned about Call of Duty coming out than they would have been about BlizzCon. Well, and maybe that's the thing too. Like now is not the time for news. Now is the time for releases. Like everything that we've been talking about is happening. Yes, you know it's, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like you know, um, Assassin's Creed Syndicate came out too little to no fanfare. We're actually gonna talk about that. But Assassin's Creed Syndicate came out. I basically forgot until I was, you know, I was getting bombarded with Facebook ads. I'm like, why do I keep seeing this? And I was like, oh, it's coming out tomorrow. That's why. And uh, Halo came out um, recently. Um, what else came out? The Call of Duty just came out on Friday, along with Fallout 3. Oh, sorry, Fallout 4. Excuse no, me. no, uh, Fallout 4 comes out this coming week. Oh, does it release the same day as StarCraft? Yes. Oh, okay, then I'm going to ignore it. That's yeah. For now, for now. I'm going to ignore it for now. Actually, I, was planning, I wasn't planning on playing it until after I got I upgraded my graphics cards, which I'm going to do sometime in December. Uh, so maybe it's for the best, but call, isn't StarCraft Tuesday? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's awesome. the, what's Tuesday, the 10th? Yeah, I think that sounds right. All right. So, okay. Uh, we are, uh, we're in a, in a good spot right now. This is the time to to be rejoicing people and playing your games. As long as you're not broke. If you're, if you're broke, it's kind of a bad time for you right now. If you're broke, play your backlog. Yes. <laughs> but you know, I will say this for everybody that's broke right now. It's only, you only got like a month. Until the Steam like winter sale, okay. For PC gamers, if you're a console person, I really don't know what to tell you. I think Sony does have a sale though during the winter time. Yes, but it's not nearly as extensive as the Steam sale. Sony's like 
they're, they're trying to be like Steam. They have those flash sales from time to time, but I'm sorry, there ain't no sale like a Steam sale. Oh yeah, definitely. Like uh, they just had that 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 Halloween sale and stuff was ridiculously cheap. You know? Is that so, Sony? No, no, no. Uh, Steam. Oh, there was a, there was a Halloween sale on Steam. There was a Halloween sale on Glass of the Weekend. Got to pay attention, Nick. Got to keep up with these things. <laughs> Damn, Steam is too good. <laughs> yeah, like so. Uh, yeah, if you actually if you follow them on Twitter and Facebook, you basically can keep keep abreast of when these things are happening. But uh, yeah, they just had the winter sale. Fuck, they're gonna have the uh, the autumn sale, which is happens during Thanksgiving. So that's only a few weeks away, folks. The autumn sale, then uh, you know, I guess maybe into December, maybe January, they have the winter sale. Good time. It's a good time. So don't be don't be upset if you just can't play uh afford the games right now. You know. But uh let's get to the show, shall we? Let's 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 hop into it. Uh first let's cover uh some news bites. Uh, so last week I know uh <laughs> Nick and Jeremy they brought up that Batman Arkham Knight is back on PC and it's still a piece of shit. Yes. Well WB is admitting that it's a piece of shit and they are allowing refunds throughout the rest of twenty fifteen. Uh, so if you if you haven't been able to play the game, go ahead and get your refund. If you have played the game, you can still get a refund. You probably should, just for all the crap that they've put you through, having to wait three months, was it, just before they could even admit that it was kind of fixed. Yes. Actually, there's an article on Kotaku from Mike Fay, and uh, he says that he had no problems with the game, but he's still going to get the refund. Damn right Just on should. principle. Yeah, just on principle. Yeah. No, what 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 Warner Brothers did with that game, and and they can you know have all the excuses they want, but the way I mean the way they treated players with that is just garbage. You are one hundred percent right about that. You know, outsourcing it to a third party in the first place when PC was going to probably be the hardest platform to do. It was probably going to be the hardest platform to actually uh, develop for it, only simply for the fact that PC is so versatile. You know, you got to make sure it works on NVIDIA devices and uh, ETI devices, you know, with Intel chipsets or AMD chipsets and a mix of vice versa. You know, you got to do all that. But yet they just pass it off to a third party. Well, you would hope the third party would know to do all that and they would have given the third party enough time to sufficiently do all that. But yeah, it's it's stupid. Yeah. So go ahead, and get your refunds, folks. Uh, next up, Blizzard is hiring uh, to update or as they say return starcraft warcraft 3 and diablo 2 to glory um now what that actually means is a question mark i mean obviously they want it to play on uh modern platforms like probably oh well at least you know work with windows 8 windows 10 uh, i don't know if they're planning on i don't know doing a release for xbox one or ps4 i doubt it it might mean they might give it an HD remix. I don't think so, though. It doesn't sound like that. It doesn't sound like they want to give it an HD remix. I think what they basically what they want is for people who own the game or who are interested in the game, make sure they can play it on you know on current PCs. That's what it sounds like. They mentioned, not at this BlizzCon, and I'm surprised they didn't mention anything at BlizzCon since this news was leaked right before BlizzCon, and maybe that's why they didn't say anything is because the news was leaked, so I bother. Uh, but they mentioned, I can't remember if it was last year's BlizzCon, or I think it was two BlizzCons ago, actually, that they want to get Warcraft 3 and some of their other old games available on Battle.net, um, presumably as part of the Battle.net launcher, but they, they want those games to at least be accessible to a modern audience. I mean, especially if you you know if you know play Warcraft, there's so much lore in those old games that, that 
is current, you know, that, that, it, that pays off in World of Warcraft, uh, that they want to make sure that you can go back and you're not stuck, stuck reading something like Wowpedia uh, to learn about the history, that you can actually still experience it. Um, so, yeah, it makes sense that they would want to even, I mean, StarCraft, the lore for that's growing, what Legacy of the Void coming out. Um, it makes sense that they would want players to be able to experience that content. So this isn't surprising necessarily. I, it, it, I guess the only thing that's surprising about it is they talked about this two years ago and just now they're finally getting around to actually hiring somebody to do it. But, um, yeah, I mean, at, at least at, at some point we can expect to see those games show up at the very least in a, a playable fashion. I can't, I can't think that they would really want to go back. I mean, they have retconned some of the lore in WoW. I could see them maybe going back to kind of change the game a little bit to reflect how things ultimately were, but generally stuff in Warcraft 3 is fairly, you know, fairly sacrosanct, so I wouldn't... I can't imagine them making too many changes if they were going to put out, like, an HD remake. Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't sound like they're interested in putting out an HD remix. I think they're, they're, they're okay with uh, keeping it looking the way it is. They just want to make sure it plays. Yeah. I think there it's really just a matter of how much more effort is it for somebody to actually go through and touch up the game. I mean, it's one thing if you're going to go through and it's just a matter of debugging and making sure it'll play in, what, DirectX 12 or whatever version they're up to now. Um, I mean, that's one thing. It's a whole other thing to actually go through and fix every asset that they have. So, Mm. Well, we'll see what what comes of that. Uh, But last up on our news bites is that Activision has bought King, the Candy Crush, uh, creator for five point nine billion dollars. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes when you say billion dollars, it's kind of hard to 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 get a grasp of how money much money that is. Dude, that's a lot of fucking. That's money. a lot of money. That's a lot of money, especially for a mobile developer. Uh, just um, I guess something you can compare it to. Like I'm trying to think, who bought. Hmm. There were some. Uh, there were some. Uh, actually, there was an article, and I I should have um actually tagged that article to to give some perspective on <laughs> to give some perspective on uh you know some other deals like that. But it's probably one of the largest deals, not the largest deal, but I think one of the largest deals in entertainment history. It's it's up there. I don't think was I. Th- I think like the. Well, Disney buying Star Wars and I think Disney buying Marvel, I think they cost more? Um, look, no, look, they cost less. They did Those cost less, okay. They, they were in the $4 billion range, oh, okay. under $5 billion. Okay. That's, That's who actually I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, both the, the both the Star Wars and the Marvel purchase for Disney were under $5 billion. There was one, I think there was one deal that was like $18 billion. I forget which deal that was. But that was like some, I want to say that was in the Asian market. I thought that was. Are you, you're not talking about Facebook buying uh, Oculus? No, no, no. Facebook buying WhatsApp. That no, no, no. I'm not thinking of that. Yeah, that was big. But we're talking about like strictly for entertainment. This is this is huge. And are you, say, are you saying I, are you saying WhatsApp isn't entertainment? No, WhatsApp is not <laughs> entertainment. So basically, I mean, instead of Activision, I can only imagine they did this because instead of building up their own mobile sector. They're just like, we'll just buy the, whoever's in charge. <laughs> you know, we'll buy whoever is, uh, who's ever at the top, and we'll put them to work for us. I mean, Candy Crush makes a lot of money. They make, they make a lot of money more. Like, you know, a lot of us, you know, because this, this show that we do is dedicated to the core audience, dedicated to, to, to core and hardcore gamers. So most of us don't play Candy Crush. Like, I, I have never played it. Nick, have you played it? Candy Crush? Uh, actually, no, I don't think I have. 
yeah, most of us haven't played it. But, you know, like, for example, in 2014, Candy Crush had 533 monthly active users. It had more than 1.5 billion plays per day. You know, now I think it says it has 474 million monthly active users, so obviously it's going down. But still, that's huge. That's a that's a lot of people, and I mean, you only need you only need like a fraction of those people to spend money to make it profitable, especially for a game like Candy Crush. That game cannot cost that much to produce. Yeah, you know. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see where Activision goes with this. We'll see if they uh, try to incorporate some of their IP into mobile development, because that could be a strategy too. You know, they want to draw more people to their game, so they're gonna use like the mobile market to help draw them and kind of the way Nintendo is trying to use the mobile market to draw them to, you know, core Nintendo products. But time will tell. I'm pretty sure we have more about that. I think their, their earnings call is in May. Activision's earnings calls in May. Right? I know they just had their earnings call. Well, so that was the quarterly. I mean like the yearly. Oh, their yearly. Yeah. That, that would be like May or something. That's, I believe that's in May. So we'll see if it was worth it. Or if they have a long-term plan. But now let's get into our articles for the week. Which it felt it felt kind of sparse, but people were too busy playing games, so maybe that's why. Um, first up is actually a Blizzard topic, and <laughs> to a lot of people's surprise, Overwatch is not free. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God Overwatch is not free. I, 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 don't get me wrong, I don't have a problem with free-to-play games. I have a problem with free-to-play implementation. That's what I have. Like, some games do free-to-play fairly well. Like, even Tribes Tribes uh, Ascend stumbled for a bit, but then they kind of got it down where, okay, you get into the game for free, you can play it. If you play enough, you can start getting these items. Or the smart thing to do is to spend a couple dollars, you can buy new uh, new units and things like that. But what they added a little later on were these, like, Game of the Year editions, quote-unquote, where if you bought the Game of the Year edition for $40, you got everything. You got everything that was offered that year. You know, that that's that's what it was. And I like that. I like free implementation where it's like, okay, if, I, if somebody wants to play a la carte, let them play a la carte, or, you know, pay a la carte, I should say. But people like me, like, I don't mind dropping $60 on a game if it's worth it. And I don't have a super high bar for to pay sixty dollars for a game, you know. Even though it is, a free, even though I still consider it a premium price, I don't have a super high bar where I'm like, this game doesn't make my head spin. I'm not paying spending sixty dollars on it. I just want that option. I want an option to buy everything for one price at a reasonable price. Don't tell me I can buy everything for one price and it's a hundred and fifty dollars. No, I'm. I don't like that. Sixty dollars. Take it. Or leave it, because I I have yet to play a free to play game for that long, because you eventually start to feel that you need to pay more and more and more money. And I'm constantly watching. I was gonna say the clock, not the clock, but you know the the, the little ticker go up. Like how close to sixty dollars am I, and how do I feel about this game? I don't want that feeling. I want everything in one package for one price, and that's what Blizzard is giving us for forty dollars. You can get the full game on PC for $60, a special edition, which has some additional scans. It's called the Overwatch Origins Edition. Correct, Nick? That's correct. 
Right. So and that that's also the version that will be available on console. Is just the sixty dollar origin origins version. Right. Which I wonder why. I wonder why they won't offer two editions for that. I think well, it's a combination of one that they do want to offer, you know, like sort of an enhanced version. But I think also too, they want. I think they know that on the PC market, that type of shooter is traditionally cheaper, or oftentimes considered free to play. I think was it in the pre-show you were talking about Battleborn, um, where everybody was complaining about how Battleborn was going to have cost money, and everybody was mocking them, you know, like oh, Overwatch is going to be free, which haha on them, but. I think I think the price I think that, that fundamentally there's a difference in price between the PC market what they'll pay for a shooter in this type of game and what the console expectation the console ex- expectation is that it's going to be a sixty dollar game it's a triple A game so they you know by by giving these two versions making them both available on PC and only the higher one that lines up with the P- with the console gamers expectations because if, if if you release a console game and if you release it for like forty dollars people are going to be like well why isn't this sixty dollars you know this isn't this supposed to be a top of the line game? What am I? Why am I not paying as much? There's, it's all, it, it sounds dumb to be like, oh, you're getting a better value, but people will look look down upon it for for because they're they're expecting it to cost sixty dollars. So I think I disagree. I, I disagree because I think if you're going through the store and you see sixty dollars, sixty dollars, sixty dollars, forty dollars, the forty dollars one grabs your eye. You take a you at least will take a look at it and you'll see it's multiplayer only. That's why it's forty bucks. Even Transformers Devastation wasn't sixty dollars at the store; it was fifty dollars. Really, I was very surprised by that. Yeah, I thought I saw the, I saw the PC version was fifty dollars. I'm like, okay, well, that's Steam, but I really, I don't I don't I didn't want to get it on PC because I had a feeling that it wasn't what wouldn't be polished that well. Mm. So I was like, I'm just gonna get it for PS4. And when I did when I got there, I was like, oh, it's fifty dollars. Nice. They're not locked in a sixty dollar. Price tag. I mean, there may be a lot that goes on on the back end as to why it has to be sixty dollars, but to to be honest with you, I think forty dollars would actually help out. Like, one of the things that's happening with Rainbow Six Siege right now, since it's a multiplayer only title, there's a lot of chatter, people complaining, "Why is the game sixty dollars? The game shouldn't be sixty dollars if it's multiplayer only. The game is gonna die on console specifically because it's sixty dollars and it's multiplayer only." So I think if they had if uh, Overwatch, or they're going to have Overwatch at $60 on console, it's actually going to lead people to be more wary of it, because it's $60, they know less people are going to buy it because it's $60, and it's it's multiplayer only, so it seems like it has less value, there's no single player. Even Battleborn is going to have a single player. Well, sorry, not going to have a single player, but it's going to have like a campaign. Actually, it might have a single player, I don't know. I have to check into that. Because Battleborn has a lot of modes, and they, they they only mentioned a few so far, and I think they only mentioned a few because of the closed beta. But yeah, back to Overwatch, I think having a $40 price tag or a $50 price tag on the console market will be more helpful than harmful. I think at that point, then, it has to be some kind of, like you said, like a back-end deal. Like, like the only way they could get it published on console was to agree to sell it for $60. They They control the publishing. They're Activision Blizzard. If if anybody's going to control the publishing, if anybody has the weight to throw around to put any game out on a console, it's Activision Blizzard. So they just want money then. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I'll go with that. But yeah, I am very happy that Battleborn, from a gameplay perspective, is going to be 
one price, you get all of the heroes. That means there will be a level playing field. There is nothing hidden behind a paywall. Right now, I believe the only microtransactions are on cosmetic items. And I'll be honest with you, if I like the game, fuck it. I'll buy cosmetic items. You know? There's got to be some give and take. I could bitch about the fact that, you know, well, before, in the early 2000s, those cosmetic items will be free. That is very true. But also, the industry has changed, where if they weren't making those cosmetic items now, a lot of people who were making the cosmetic items would have no job. <laughs> you know? That's true. Things have changed. I don't mind spending that money on cosmetic items, as long as they don't affect gameplay. That's all that matters. And I, I, I really, with all the shooters out right now, I really appreciate a level playing field. Because not every shooter gives you that. <clears throat> Destiny. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I am very excited. Right now, they're going to have 21 heroes or 21 characters you can choose from with possibly more on the way. There was some confusion at the at the panel, Nick told me, whether or not they were going to uh, make more, uh, more heroes or not. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that they wouldn't make more heroes. Um, but yeah, I think the, the real question was mostly just when they'll come out with them. I think right now they're just focused on getting the game out as it is. And so... Um, presumably once the game's out, they'll they'll look to see where they'll, they'll put heroes in for that. All right. Well, good call, Blizzard. A good call. People are saying that, oh, this is bad because the free-to-play is going to fail. That's not true. If if this comes out and it's not free-to-play, Battleborn comes out and it's not free-to-play, it looks like Epic has a new game coming out that is uh, another... I don't know if it's, a, it's like, you know, a first-person mobile clone or if it's a, you know, more closer to Team Fortress... But if that's if that's paid for and that's good, people will pay for these games. Yeah, they will pay for them. It's, I mean, it's not it's not everything or nothing. When Overwatch was announced, people were basically screaming at Blizzard like, "Take my money!" And people have pretty much been screaming that at Blizzard for that game since you know since last year. So I don't know why anybody would be at all upset with whatever pay model there is. At least this way, you know, like you pointed out, like there's one cost. You know, you know exactly what you're going to pay for this game for the lifetime of the game. I mean, you know, barring, barring, you know, I guess the the additional skins and whatnot. I mean, really, you're getting all the characters. They want you to have all the characters, which is why they're doing this. Um, yeah, it's Blizzard's fine. Blizzard's going to be fine with this. They 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 would have to actively hurt themselves to make the model bad. They're fine. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be great with the current plan. The current plan sounds good to me. I stamped it and I approved it. Sent it down uh, the hallway to the next office. We're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> I approve this plan. So uh, let's move on to the, our, our next topic, which normally, you know, all of our topics are associated with an article that we read. This next topic is actually from a forum that I'm involved in right now. I'm in the closed beta for a game that I can't talk about under NDA. Eventually I will, obviously. But for right now, I can't. But something in this forum came up because right now in that game, there is no cross-team chat. And a conversation broke out. <laughs> it's the only way I can describe it is that a conversation broke out about it uh, because it was, it, was, it was in a totally different thread. <laughs> but some you know people started going back and forth about why we should have cross-team chat, why we shouldn't have cross-team chat. And one person brought up almost every point that I was going to bring up as I was writing it. And the forum updated. I'm like, oh, thank God. I'm only halfway through. 
<laughs> I, I can stop typing right now. So I'm just going to go through what he read or what he wrote, and then we're going to discuss it a little bit. So he says, you know, the, the value of cross-team chat, uh, the potential for socialization and connections with people you'd otherwise never have the opportunity to meet again in a large multiplayer game. It's entirely possible that you might only ever encounter an individual as an enemy. That person might be someone you could become friends with, with cross-team chat arbitrarily being removed Oh, uh, so too. Oh, so too is his interaction. He needs a little work with his grammar and comma use. Sorry about that. Uh, so that that last line was with cross team chat arguably being removed. So, comma so too is his interaction. Creating a community which frequently sciences toxic behavior. If you believe toxicity is limited to opponents, then you have had a very limited experience with team-based multiplayer games. In fact, in most team-oriented multiplayer games, the most hostile people you're likely to encounter are your own teammates. Amen. Preach the gospel. <laughs> because that is true. But let me, let me finish. Uh, allowing cross-team chat to exist empowers players by showing a certain amount of developer respect for the player base and acts as an incentive to good behavior for those who might otherwise be toxic. There's a community expectation set for behavior, and the community can assist in enforcing that expectation. Without illustrating a respect for the player base and their ability to act like mature adults, they won't. Access to cross-team chat makes your opponents people. You could argue that, there's, they're, that they're always people, but they're not. They're objects that play a role in your success or failure in a match. You can't interact with them, joke with them, or in any way communicate. This, in my experience, actually increases negative behavior. Most players won't feel bad inconveniencing or antagonizing someone who can't respond as you can apply any lens to them. Every time an opponent frustrates you, they could be the biggest douchebag in the universe, completely justifying your behavior. I think a good example for this is Magic the Gathering, MTG, like all other TCGs, I guess that's tactical card games. Uh, Yeah, yeah, uh, just uh, uh, trading card games, trading card games. It's famously blank when you play it. He cursed that. They, there's no way to turn off that filter on that form. It's famously douchey, maybe, when you play it. You could lose because of a million diff- of a million frustrating systems. There are outliers who take this frustrating frustration out on their opponent, but in my experience, the ability to talk with your opponent actually lessens the frustration. Mileage may vary. This is based on experience. So those are the points that he brought up. Actually, I... I I, I like this post, and I um, I said I agree with everything you just said. And on top of that, I think it needs to be noted that trash talk does not e- does not equal toxic behavior because it doesn't. In my opinion, talking trash is not the same as toxic behavior. Because trash talk is, if you can't handle a little trash talk in a multiplayer in a competitive multiplayer game, you might want to go play something else. Well, there's a there's a way to trash talk, and then there's a way to be toxic. Like you yeah. should just go kill yourself. That's that's not good trash talk. No, that's yeah, that's that's lazy trash talk, and that is more toxic. But I'm talking about when somebody kills you and then, then types wrecked. You know, most of the time it's eye rolling. I was like, really, kid? But anytime somebody trash talks to me, that just gives me incentive to go beat. You know, well, I was gonna say beat the shit out of it, but not in real life, obviously. You know, go kill them in the game, and then dominate them. That's what usually happens. Make yeah. them shut up. You, you make them shut up by constantly killing them. Dead men don't talk. Well, plus two, I mean, I think when you, like, you should be trash-talking a little bit with your opponent. 
I mean, that's, I mean, you know, to think about it, like, if you're playing, like, pickup basketball with people, like, there's no rule that you can't trash talk in that case. (laughs) Yeah. You know, nobody's going to, you know, there's no referee on the, on the street court to enforce what people say to each other. So, yeah, I mean, and and usually, like you said, like, in that case, either you, you, you learn to either talk back or you learn to just shut them up by beating them. Yes. So, I mean, yeah, there's definitely a valid... You know, I, I think one of the the parts of learning to be a good competitor is learning how to deal with trash talk. I mean, I mean, hell, like Kevin Garnett is one of the re- most renowned trash talkers out there. He's also one of the best basketball players over the last uh, 10, 15 years. Right. So, I mean, it's yeah, it, it's it's part of the it's part of it's part of sports. It's part of competitive nature is not only not only learning to be good at that, learning to deal with it. It's. You know, so the, I mean, fundamentally, there's no fundamental reason why it is. I think one of the problems, like you said, that we've seen such a rise in a hesitance to let people talk and interact online is because, especially when you're restricted from talking to the other team, all you can do is take your hostilities out on each other. Instead of talking, you know, talking shit about the guy that killed you, all you can do is like, why'd you let that guy kill us? You know, like, and, and then just yelling at your teammates to get better. I mean, and then there's something to be said learning to deal with that as well. But yeah, I think. You should be, you should be engaging with your opponent because yeah. The other thing too is sometimes you can find a guy who will talk shit. You talk shit back to him, and you can actually build a friendship that way. Like, oh, that guy actually was good at trash talking. I respect oh, yeah. it. I respect your skills. <laughs> that happens. I mean, that that's a real thing that happens. Most of, when I was playing UT and even Counter Strike, many of the people that we picked up for our team were people that we played against. You know, even like one of the, one of the guys that I'm actually close friends with now. We started playing uh, UT. We started playing in UT, and the first time I met him, he was an asshole because he was on the other team, and he was trash talking me. I started trash talking back. I specifically started looking for him, which when you're playing UT on like you know a 20 man server, it's not the easiest thing to do, <laughs> you know. Uh, in these specific situations, we start sparring and going back and forth at it, and you know, at the end of it, we're kind of like talking on the outside, and we start playing together, you know. That really does happen, and that's that's. I understand like his first point. I totally understand where he's coming from, where he's saying that you can meet somebody and you actually can build a friendship off of that, even if you start off by trash talking. That is one hundred percent true. And the second thing he brings about is that the most hostile people that you will meet in an online game are people on your own team, specifically the people who cannot, who always has to put the blame on someone else. Mm-hmm. There are tons of people like that. We're losing because my teammates are idiots. We're losing because you're not doing this. We're lo- I, I got killed because you did that. I got. Why did you let that guy through? Where did that guy come from? It was your job to make sure he didn't make it into lower B tons. You know, like it was you know, all that. It's because, you know, like they're on your team and obviously it can't be their fault. I'm too good to die when it's my fault. You know, it's not, it's not my fault. It's your fault. Those are the most hostile people you will come across. Those are the people that will tell you to go kill yourself, tell you to go, you know, jump off a bridge, drink bleach. Um, you know, like, <laughs> I didn't realize they didn't. They, <laughs> they actually tell you how they want you to die, not just that yeah, they want you to die. <laughs> go die in a fire, like all types of stuff. You know, I told one guy told me one time to go drink bleach and die, and so every at the beginning of every round, I killed him. <laughs> and he couldn't do anything about it. And my trash talk back to him was like, "See, this is why you're dying. You can't even kill me." 
<laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like th- those are the people who are going to be the most toxic. You know. And I mean like no, I guess the third point that he brought up it's not necessarily like rock solid where if you give people the opportunity to act like adults they will. The thing is most people that are that you're going to play with are going to act like adults or mature. Most of the time, the people that are beating you, they're not gonna beating you. They're not gonna say anything because they're beating you. They don't need to say anything. I can almost guarantee in any multiplayer game, the team that's winning is talking less, both across the board and internally. It's the team that's losing that's talking back and forth to each other, whether it be positive or negative. But I think most players are just gonna act mature anyway because they just want to have fun. They just want to play the game, and the game, even though I mean, sometimes you, a lot of people play competitively. It's still not that serious. It's not a life or death thing. They don't let their emotions uh, get the best out of them. So yeah, it's I I really agree. That's why that's why I brought it because I really agree with what he what he said, especially about the the last point he made was was about communicating, turning pe- uh, you know players into people versus objects. Yes, that that's a huge point. That is a huge point. I can almost guarantee you, like, uh, I think most famously the fighting game community, more, there's more trash talk, like toxic trash talk going on in online matches than there is in actual tournaments. Because when you go to an actual fighting game tournament, and that's the, the those are the highest level, uh, highest level players there, highest level of competition there, stakes are high because for a lot of these guys, it is about their, uh, their lifestyle. The money they make or the money they win supports their life. You know, they're professional players. But even in those situations, most of the players are perfectly fine. Like they 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 trash talk. Well when you yeah. play a when you play a fighting game, like when you play a fighting game with other people in the same room, that's an incredibly social experience because it's just you and the other guy and then the crowd. Yeah. And especially then usually you're passing off the controllers between matches. Like it's very it's 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 I think that's actually more social as a competitive style than playing a, a team based game even in the same room, because when you're playing the team-based game, like it's social and you're all communicating, but at that point, you're all communicating about explicitly just about what you're doing. Like there's a lot more when it's, when it's only two people playing against each other and everybody else is just kind of either observing or chatting. Like when you're part of that crowd, because you're not playing at that moment, all you're doing is making friends. Like all you're doing is just part of the crowd, part of the community and the community is bonding. I think like that, I think that's a huge differentiation to make is that, yeah, when you're like the fighting game community, that's why at that upper level, when everybody plays together, they all know each other. They all, you know, for the most part, they all get along. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously it's a group. There's going to be people that don't get along, but you know, but for, but I think that's, I mean, that, and that's kind of how communities are supposed to be. And yeah, when you're just, when you're just getting randomly matchmaked with somebody, you're going to only going to be in chat with them for like, you know, the five minutes it's going to take to do the fight. And at that point, all you're really going to do is just talk shit. You're not going to be like, oh, hey, how's, how's the kids doing? You know, you're not going to, you know, small talk's not going to come up for those few minutes and then you move on to the next. So it, it's it's an, it's a different environment. And I, th- I think there's less of a prioritization on any kind of real socialization in that set setting. Yeah. I mean, even there, don't get me wrong, there are some heated moments that happen in a fighting game community, but not nearly as heated as they would appear online. Yes. You know, online people are like, you know, go kill yourself, go kill your mother, do this, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, they're, they're really heated and toxic. But even face-to-face with fighting games, like, I've seen people who are about to match up, and they, really, they like, legit don't like each other, and they're not even that toxic. They're talking, they're trash-talking back and forth. One guy, I forget what his name is, 
I forget what his name is, but after he beat Low Tier God, he asked him, "How does how's it, how's my dick tasting in your mouth?" You know, and the way he just said it was just like, "Ha ha, funny." <laughs> like it, it, it wasn't like you know, was that an Evo? Dick? No, that, I don't think that. No, that was at a tournament. That was, that was just at a, a regular tournament. tournament yeah, or even like this last past um. Uh, fucking uh, the the Owen thirteen with um, yes. Perfect Legend, yes, and Sonic Fox, like there was trash talk going on there, but it wasn't at toxic levels, and that was in front of a huge crowd. You know, that was in front of a huge crowd. If there's anywhere you gotta protect your pride, it's like there. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? But it was in front of a huge crowd. Like it was, it was more than acceptable trash talk. Well, it wasn't toxic. At, at, at the same time, though, I feel like if you're gonna say something that toxic in front of the crowd. The crowd's gonna turn on you because they know where that line is. They know it's acceptable. Like, whoa, dude, you went too far. Like, okay, yeah, you just got your ass beat, but you still shouldn't have said that. Like, and well, I think that goes in with the you know communication humanizing yeah. players. Yeah, I think that all ties into each other, and it, it, it is true. You know, not to mention like a lot of times I've I, I've had this happen to myself where I think somebody is playing like an asshole. Like, you know, they're, they're constantly hiding or they're constantly running. They're only taking pot shots. And I have, like, will say something about it kind of aggressively. And the person will reply, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm just not good at this game. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay, fine. Let me help you. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I'm sorry about that one time. Yeah. <laughs> but that has happened to me where I'm, like, kind of, I'm getting frustrated. I understand. Frustration happens when you're playing these games. Oh, uh, you get frustrated. Something's happening. You say something. The guy's like, "Yeah, man, I'm, I'm sorry. I just don't even know how to play." And then uh, I, I wind up giving them some tips, like, but, "Look, do this, do that, and you'll get better." Like, <laughs> but, but no, and, and that's the way that you should react to that. But the problem is, he's scared to say that because he's expecting at that point you're like, "I'm sorry, I don't know how I'm playing this game." He's like, "Go drink some bleach, noob." Like that's <laughs> and and the problem is those people are out there. Those are the assholes we've got to like get back in line. That that's the behavior that's not acceptable. And yeah, I think. Yeah, I think ultimately upping the amount of communication. As long as, as long as people aren't afraid to speak up and put put the toxic people in line, just tell them to shut up. That's really what we need. And then I think if we can get those people under control, I mean, you know, to go back to the pickup basketball analogy, you, you, I can't imagine a situation where like five people are playing on the court and then like you know during a break in the game, somebody turns to his teammate and is just like, go drink some bleach. You suck. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, like, like just, you know, at that point, hand him the bleach. If you're actually, you know, with him, you know, go to a corner store, buy some bleach. But uh, the, the best way to handle toxic players is to ghost silence them. Like when you silence them, you don't want them to know that they've been silenced. Mm. You don't want them to know. It's either you don't respond to them or you go silence them. Like basically, you want them to talk, and then nobody responds. Yes. It, just seems, it sounds like it seems like nobody really cares, and they shouldn't. And they shouldn't. But that's that's how you get them to stop. That's how you get them to stop because like ah, well, they're not going to respond anyway. In most cases, don't get me wrong. There's always going to be outliers. I'm not people are looking for a 100 percent solution to this problem. There's not a 100 percent solution to this problem because there's always going to be people who do that. There's always going to be somebody who's taking their frustration out for things that aren't even involved in the game, for things that happen in the game. That's always going to happen. There's always going to be bad people. There's always, always. going to be assholes. Until we can get rid of assholes as a society, we can't fix it. And nope, and that's never going to happen. No. Because even when you get rid of all the people who are assholes by society standards now, a new group of assholes will appear because now there's going to be a new, cleaner standard of asshole. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, but yeah, I, I really agree, and I hope uh, the developers of that game really take a look at that thread and make not make some changes, but just consider it. Even though I will say most of the people in that thread were like, "No, just keep the communication off. I don't want to deal with it. I don't, I don't want to deal with what somebody kills me. They say wrecked. Like, dude, why are you wearing your feelings on your sleeve? He just said wrecked. That's it. So either ignore it or get better. Like, one of the two. Like, so those are your options. If you don't want him to say wrecked, don't die. Yeah, exactly. If you don't want him to say wrecked, don't get wrecked. Especially when people I love when people say wrecked. When, uh, when they really didn't do anything. You know? Like, I actually, I had an experience where I was playing Destiny. Playing a map. Actually, one of the, uh, the newer maps. And, um... I think it's called Vertigo. I think it's called Vertigo. Have you played that map in Destiny? Yes, yes I have. Okay, so it's Vertigo. You know the part where the, there's that big uh, portal in the middle of the map? Yes. So I go up there. Dude, there's three people up there. <laughs> okay, I'm there by myself. I kill the first guy. I take out the second guy. I have the last guy down to like, oh, not even like less, maybe I can say like a fifth of his health. And then he does Fist of Havoc on me. <laughs> and then, then he sends me a message on PSN as I'm responding that says wrecked. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> you you only killed two out of the three guys yeah. before the third guy hit his super. Terrible, terrible performance. <laughs> yes, thank you. Like I didn't even reply back to him. I just laughed. You. I didn't even reply back. I'm like, dude, I, like, is this real life right now? Like, he really thinks that he wrecked me. With the, a pro- with the-, the problem is that basic logic can't send a message to that guy saying wrecked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like that was just, it's just funny, and I don't know if it's maybe is it because I'm getting older now, or that I'm just kind of I just laugh these things off because I remember being younger and dealing with a lot of this stuff, and even when I was younger, I don't remember me getting real. Well, when I was in my like maybe mid-teens, getting angry at stupid shit like that, but by the time I was in like my 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 20s and i don't know if that's because i just got older or is because of my experience playing the games and getting used to dealing with it but in my 20s i'll probably spar back and forth with somebody but it was just a more of a fun thing for me to do i wasn't really angry about it which actually made me better at it because i could think clearly Mm -hmm. versus now where it's kind of just like i'll do it sometimes but i'll go back and forth with somebody but for the most part it's like lol dude whatever I go to work tomorrow morning. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't like de- I don't feel like dealing with this right now. And just, and just laugh it off. But what what does it say though about that guy that like okay the fact that like you he barely survived you because he hit his super like what does it say that he had to like exit the game to send you a message that said wrecked and yeah. then go back like yeah like come on just come on yeah yeah it's funny but uh. Yeah, I really, I really liked what this guy had to say, and I thought it would make a good topic for the show. Hmm. But let's move on to our next topic, which is Assassin's Creed Syndicate's slow sales. I believe, I believe Ubisoft just had their, well, not not their yearly earnings call, but I think like a quarterly earnings call. I don't know how frequently they do them, but I would say at least quarterly. And they were bringing up the fact that Assassin's Creed Syndicate has been affected, or the sales for Assassin's Creed Syndicate have been impacted by what happened to Unity, and they're seeing the same thing that happened with Black Flag. Now, I didn't realize that Black Flag sales were were affected by Assassin's Creed 3, because 
when Assassin's Creed 3 came out, I know I didn't like it, but I didn't hear a lot of people saying they, did, they didn't like the game. It's not like the game had a bunch of bugs or anything like that. Assassin's Creed 3 was just a, a boring game. And the protagonist was a boring character. He was whiny. Hmm. But apparently Black Flag sold 50% less than Assassin's Creed 3 in its first week. I think it took a while for the word to get out that, hey, this Assassin's Creed's actually good. Because everybody who played Black Flag had great things to say about it. Whereas everybody that played Assassin's Creed 3 did not have great things to say about it. And what well, once, once like, ultimately, Assassin's uh, Black Flag, ultimately that did well, right? Well, yeah, ultimately, they're saying that Black Flag was 50% below Assassin's Creed 3 in its first week. At the end of the year... Black Flag was close to three, and after two years, it was way above three. Yes. Yeah. Which so it sounds ev- right. Yeah, it eventually tapped out. It eventually did uh, much better. But they didn't give any sales numbers on Assassin's Creed Syndicate, but they're saying that the sales have definitely been impacted by Unity, which, of course, they were affected by Unity. Uh, Unity was terrible. Not only was it terrible when it first came out because of the bugs, once you cleared up all the bugs... By December, I might add, so about two months after the game came out, the game was still terrible. The game was still terrible. Actually, some people are saying that it's not just the bugs. It was not just the bugs of the fact that the game was bad, but also the fact that the they tried to shoehorn microtransactions via the mobile app. Yes. So in the game, and they unlocked this later on, in the game you had these chests that could not be opened in the game. You had to download the mobile app to open the chests. And sometimes to open the chest, you need to you need to spend money. Mhm. It was ridiculous. It's you know, it's one of those things where it's like of course, you know, syndicate sales are to blame on Unity, but they should. Good. Like, you know, because the thing is like once you buy it, once you buy a game, once you buy a buggy game, um and I don't remember if they were offering refunds or not back at the time. I know they gave some DLC, I think, to to make amends with the player base. But the fact is like it's like okay, everybody went out, and, and especially because for uh, for Unity, the uh, reviews were were embargoed, so that you couldn't even put up the review saying, "Hey, the game is kind of buggy and shitty" until after it was already out. But but yeah, like there should be a penalty for that, and this is the penalty. This is your penance: is that Syndicate, you know, for as good or as terrible as it may ultimately prove to be, yeah, you have to earn that back, and especially seeing that. Ubisoft went through this before by releasing a subpar Assassin's Creed 3 and then having to wait for a good game in Black Flag to actually earn its reputation back. Um, Yeah, you should know better. You should know that you can't release crap, especially when you're going to be pushing a game out every year. At least, I mean, at least, well, I think, what, Call of Duty, I don't think there's ever been a truly terrible Call of Duty for as long as they've been doing it. Terrible? Uh, I'd say no, but they are cloney. They're cloney. I mean, they they stick to a a, a format, but there's at least a minimum standard of quality that they all meet. Um, This is true. And and so, like, nobody's ever, like, played a Call of Duty and said, like, I'm done with this franchise. Because the thing is, like, there are games that people have played that said, I'm done with this franchise. And then you need to wait a certain amount of time before you can go back to that franchise and people be like, oh, yeah, there are things I miss about that franchise. I'll go back. A year is not long enough. If somebody plays Unity and they throw down the controller in disgust, they're not coming back for Syndicate. Unless Syndicate gets amazing reviews. And that's the thing, like with Black Flag, where it's going to take time for them to hear like, oh, hey, a bunch of people played Syndicate. They said it's okay and it's actually pretty good and worth checking out. Yeah, I'll come back then. 
And it's going to take them not just that first few weeks after launch. They're going to need a good month, two months, six months for that word of mouth to get around for them to come back to it. So, yeah, you know, I hope. Well, actually, you know, I don't care. I really I don't have a dog in this hunt. I really don't care. <laughs> <laughs> for Ubisoft's sake, I hope that Syndicate is amazing. I don't think it's going to be. At least, like, Black Flag had the innovative ships. So there was that whole, you know, you're going around with the ships and man- managing your fleet. I think that was one of the things that made the game so great. I haven't I haven't seen anything in Syndicate that would parallel that. I mean, so basically at best all you're hoping for is a really really good Assassin's Creed game. But I don't so I don't know if like there's enough fuel in Syndicate's tank to get that word of mouth going, to to get the sales back. I think I think we may see it's entirely possible. And I the, the Unity may have maybe not killed Assassin's Creed. But it's certainly put a blow on the franchise, and if Syndicate doesn't sell as well, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I would have to think that Ubisoft would give at least one more go. I'm sure that whatever's going to come after Syndicate is already in development, that I don't think they'd necessarily cancel it, but they're going to have to come back super strong with the follow-up. They can't just put out another, you know, even standard Assassin's Creed game and think like, oh yeah, people will eat this back up, because I think that they have, Unity was so bad that it's poisoned the franchise at this point. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is the first, like, since, what, 2007, maybe 2008? No, I think, like, 2009. Since 2009, Assassin's Creed 2 came out, I, I believe. Since, let's just say Assassin's Creed 2 came out, I have bought Assassin's Creed day one every year. And this is the first Assassin's Creed game I have not purchased. And honestly, I don't know if I'm going to purchase it. I think I'm going to purchase it. I just don't know when. I really don't have... There's no rush for me to buy it. And that's because Unity, once all the bugs were cleared up, once all the chests were unlocked so that you didn't have to get them via microtransaction, the game was still a bad game. It was a boring game. It was a boring game, unfortunately. And dealing with that, you know, Ubisoft would have to put out an amazing Assassin's Creed. Like, I'm talking Assassin's Creed 2 amazing. Assassin's Creed to bring the series back. Because now you got that dent in it, and if the game isn't great, then people aren't going to go with that hump. You know, they're not going to go out and get it. Because from, from what I've heard, Syndicate, not nearly as buggy, and it's an okay game. That's not good enough. No, it's not. That's that's not good enough. They need to make an amazing Assassin's Creed game. And Ubisoft, I know you listen to the podcast, so I'm going to drop a gem <laughs> for you right now. Everybody say hi to Ives. Hi, hi, Eves. Is, is it Eves or is it I don't Eves? Know. I think it's Eves. Give him yeah, You think you might be right. Okay. I should know. We talk like every Thursday. So. <laughs> <laughs> Eves, what are you doing? You know, he, I hear he's going to trash talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, you, what Assassin's Creed needs at this point, in my opinion, you got to stop going back in the past. There's no reason for you to go back in the past anymore. Desmond is fucking dead. Okay. Is he even in Syndicate? I don't think so. Uh, I don't know. You know what? I'm not going to drop any spoilers. Because uh, if you played Assassin's Creed 3, well, that's a spoiler in itself. But, I mean, <laughs> sorry. that one's, I'm not going to bleep that one. You'll figure it out. I mean, Desmond's not there. so I, th- I think you can spoil it at this point. It's been, yeah. it's been several years. <laughs> it's been years, but you know how I feel about spoilers. Like, some people... No, but actually, you know what? Assassin's Creed 3, it's, it's a console game. A last Genesis console game. Nobody's going to buy it. So, here we go. Desmond's dead, folks. His body has been chopped up, and they use his brain and his, for, for his DNA so that, they, so that other people can go back in history. That's how they do it now. 
Okay. Really? Okay, that I didn't know. I didn't know that part of it. Yes. That's, that's actually kind of disturbing. Yes, that's that's what happened. It was a huge blow, I think, personally, to Patrice DeSelets, because he clearly, he clearly <laughs> had a vision for this game. And the way Assassin's Creed 3 ends is just like, that's that's it? That's what's going to happen? And so you're waiting for Black Flag or Assassin's Creed 4, so you can see, well, what happens to Desmond? There's no way Desmond's dead. Dude, they give you, what is it, uh, like a 90-second video to explain what happened to Desmond. Huh. And it's something, I think it's something you can miss, too. Like, it's not guaranteed that you'll see this thing. But it explains how Desmond died, releasing Juno, and that they took his body, and they took it apart, and that's how they're accessing his memories. So is that like when uh, Chuck Lorre killed uh, Charlie Sheen on Two and a Half Men, and he didn't just kill him, but he had him like obliterated into pieces by stepping in front of a train? They did. That's how they did. I thought they dropped the yeah. piano on him. I thought they, I thought he stepped in front of a train, but the, uh, the whole point was that he was he was his body was shredded in like thousands of pieces or something. So like there was no way he could be written back into the show. Really? I, no, I don't know. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, that's that's what happened. So now you don't need to go back in the past. The last Black Flag. Had some bullshit, you know, reason like, oh, you were an Abstergo employee working for Abstergo Entertainment. And for uh, Liberation, it was like, well, you're playing the Abstergo Entertainment console. And for Unity, now Abstergo Entertainment is in your house and you're some dude, you know, or some dude or chick, you know, you're yourself. And you're trying to help out the assassins by accident. That That's what the outside story is there's no need to have two storylines like a a current timeline and a past timeline forget about the shit in the past that's done that's over with so so couldn't couldn't ubisoft have just said that the bugs in the game and unity were intentional and that's just that abstergo was releasing buggy software and you have to figure that out you should work for ubisoft Nick. (laughs) (laughs) it's a part of the game it's part of the game. Buy this patch DLC. It'll help you out. Uh, it's not Ubisoft releasing it. It's Abstergo. And I'm making huge air quotes as I'm saying this. <laughs> yeah, Abstergo Montreal. <laughs> yeah, so they need to either make a modern Assassin's Creed, which, I mean, that that kind of be cool. I think they need to make a futuristic Assassin's Creed. Because it's clearly, like, when you play the game, it is clear that the Templars are winning this fight. The Templars are winning this fight. They have constantly won the fight almost in every Assassin's Creed game, if you think about it, because the Assassins are always in hiding. The Templar are always the ones that are in castles and have have power. They're always the ones. So just make a make like I would want to see a futuristic Assassin's Creed. Isn't that basically what Call of Duty had to do? Like they they went they played all the wars they could. They had to start going into the future. Yeah, they they came modern, started doing the Hollywood style stuff, and then modern got boring, so they went into the future. Uh, that that's the progression of every of every first person shooter, you know. Eventually, the eventually, I do believe World War Two shooters will make it back around. We have yeah. a whole generation of people who haven't played World War Two shooters, which that that it, 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 there is a difference, you know, that with 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 modern shooters. You have a lot of the modern weaponry, which, frankly, is just easier to use and built for killing people, you know? Mm-hmm. World War II shooters got those single-shot rifles, accuracy matters. It's a lot of fun. 
But I don't want to get off topic. That's a totally different topic. But yeah, they, they need to take Assassin's Creed into the future. That's my recommendation for this series. And just sorry, my recommendation? End it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. Syndicate's gets it. Don't even bother with another one. I mean, the, the concept of Assassin's Creed is great. Not only do they take it to the future, but they need to add more dynamics to your sneaking around. Like, light and shadow should matter. Hmm. It should matter. Why has that not been added into the game yet? And how, it, how excited would you be for an Assassin's Creed Watch Dogs crossover? Dude, don't talk to me about Watch Dogs. <laughs> Watch Dogs was such a fucking disappointment. It, it really, really was. I mean, there's some great concepts there, and they just fumbled that shit. I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that Watch Dogs 2 won't suck balls. I really am. I really am hoping that it doesn't suck balls, that it actually gives more of what they promised us originally. But we'll see. Let's move on to our last topic. Halo 5 and microtransactions. Apparently, the Halo community enjoys, or they like the microtransactions because they've already spent over $500,000 on microtransactions. And those, the microtransactions, you can buy rec packs uh, for, was it, $2, $3, and then $25. So silver, gold, and premium rec packs, respectively, are $2, $3, and $25. From what I've read... The rec packs only have cosmetic items. The article here says the rec packs unlock weapons, armor, and vehicles for use in Halo 5's new Warzone multiplayer mode. From what I've read, it's only cosmetic items if I am wrong about that, because I haven't played Halo 5 yet. I'm so backlogged on games that need to be reviewed. I haven't purchased Halo 5. Let me know I'm wrong, because I would really like I would really like some uh, <laughs> some confirmation. But from what I've seen, everybody, no, nobody's complained about rec packs giving somebody guns, just the the skins for the guns. And players have apparently uh, taken a shine to it because they spent five hundred dollars microtransactions. One thing that I do like that oh, I was gonna say Bungie, but three four three is doing is that a portion of the microtransactions are being put into the prize pool, the World Championship prize pool. So the total prize pool is now $1.5 million. I don't know what the prize pool was before, to be honest. I think it was just $1 million. Okay. Then that, if that's the case, that means they've already sold more than $500,000 yes. in Yeah, we don't know how much they've actually sold. We just know that they upped the price pool by, uh, by 500000 and therefore, what, uh, whatever percentage it is, I mean, you'd have to try to figure that out but we don't we don't know all the variables it's not half i can tell you that much <laughs> that is so, maybe a quarter maybe 10 percent. wow that would be scary i wonder what halo 4 uh, what halo 5 sales looks like i need to get it soon so nobody spoils it for me i was very excited for halo 5 i've already heard that the story isn't that great though which that's what i was excited for for i wasn't excited for the multiplayer i was excited for the actual story i wanted to you know see what happened hmm but, yeah, I, I haven't heard a lot of, like, when I was looking up th- this, I won't almost say issue, but this particular story, I wasn't seeing complaints about rec packs. I haven't heard any, anything bad about it, so this might, be, this might be a good way to do microtransactions. Once again, yes, yes, it is something that we used to get for free, to a degree. We used to get different costume skins and, you know, stuff like that, to a degree. But now... There's definitely more of them. You could be completely unique if you want to. 
with it being a Microsoft game, they might even open it up for people to make their own stuff. That might be that might not be too far off if you can't already do it. Mm. So, all right, I, I like it, <laughs> <laughs> and especially since they are adding, you know, upping the pool for the world championship. Yeah, hey, I heard you guys talking last week about how Halo is an esport. I was wondering if this was going to come back. <laughs> I heard about that. I was reading. I was like, well, what the fuck are they talking about? The Halo can't be an eSport. Not that it can't be an eSport. Just that I don't think we've ever thought of it as an eSport before. What do you think an eSport is? Hearthstone? <laughs> <laughs> so here's, there's, I think this, competitive gaming has been going on for a long time. Yes. Right? Longer than it's been called eSports. Actually, in the early 2000s, somebody was trying to call it esports, and people laughed at them, so they stopped. <laughs> <laughs> and then they started back up again. Yeah, so there's two different definitions that go along with esports. I choose the other one. <laughs> you don't even know what I'm going to talk about, Nick. <laughs> there's two definitions that happen here. There's the one from the player side, which is the competitive side, and they, can, they call it esports. And that's about fine-tuning the game for competition. You know, back when we used to have control over the servers and the settings and stuff like that, Counter-Strike, Unreal Tournament, Quake, for competition, settings were tweaked. For You know, settings were tweaked, and, well, the rounds can be this long, and these weapons are allowed, these weapons are not, this map is allowed, this map is not. Those were all things that went into turning a game into a competitive game, or at least into a competitive community, okay? There was there was broad consensus across, you know, various communities, for what they wanted to do in their games to make them competitive. Okay? Now, you also have the developer slash publisher view of esports. When developers and publishers view esports, and I guess this is more of my opinion than anything, but this is basically what I see, they're not talking about making the game competitive. They're talking about making the game fun to watch. They're making the game, they're talking about making the game spectatable. That's what they want to do. They want to make it so that People can spectate this game and watch this game and have a, a good time with this game. When I see that Activision Blizzard and and oh, Bungie, not Bungie, but 343 and Microsoft want to make, you know, Activision Blizzard, they opened up a new division for esports and 343 and Microsoft, they want Halo 5 to be in esports. Halo already has a competitive community. Halo has had a healthy competitive community since the original Halo came out. Tournaments are held all over the world for it. And even some larger ones, still to this day. But what 343 wants is to make it more accessible so that when people watch it, it'll be fun and people will want to watch the game. That's what they want. And unfortunately, when it comes to esports and making it spectatable, that means in my opinion, making the game less competitive and easier to watch. If you you ask me, like, you don't want to you know, with Counter Strike and even some fighting games, I think it's harder to watch because you kind of have to know what's going on in order to appreciate certain things. You know, Evo Moment Thirty Seven, where where Daigo is blocking those kicks from Justin Wong. If you don't understand how difficult that is, it's just kind of like, okay, what's going on? Or in Counter-Strike, when a player makes like a good play, like, you know, he's in a good position and he takes out two guys and he plants a bomb in the right place and he's able to strategically win the match, even if he's by himself, or win the, the round if he's by himself. As 
a player or somebody who plays the game, you'll understand it. But as somebody from from an outside perspective, you can't really watch that. You don't know what the deal is, like or why it's good. But I think that's one of the reasons why so many people play League of Legends or even watch League of Legends because it's very easy to follow. The game was built like that from the ground up to be easy to follow. And that's why it's so popular. Not to mention it's free to play. But with Halo 5, like, well, with shooters in general, shooters are kind of hard to watch, to be to be honest with you. They're kind of hard to follow. Because even the casters, they can only look at one person at a time. There's no map showing what each and every person is doing. So, that's, in my opinion, that's that's when they say they want to make it eSport, they want to make it easier to watch and make it more spectatable. They don't necessarily mean making it more competitive because it's already competitive. See, I don't even think it's. See, I I don't even think they give it that much thought about making it more. More, uh, well, well, I mean, to be fair, I think as far as trying to make it more competitive, there were actually they did have, uh, or Bungie did have people brought in, not Bungie, three four three rather, did have people from the uh, competitive community brought in to actually make the game more competitive. But I feel like when there's a drive to make something an esport, it's usually a corporation just like. There's money here. Let's just throw our game in here to get money back. And I feel like at some level, there's somebody who doesn't really understand how esports work. And maybe fundamentally, I may be that person as well, that I don't understand fundamentally how esports work. But it seems like it's like, oh, well, we have a game. People can play it against each other. Let's just broadcast the matches. Like, there's, like I, I, I feel like there's not really that much thought that goes into it. Um, and I guess it's weird to be saying that and then criticizing Halo for... for being that way when they, as I said, they brought people in to actually do that, you know, to, to do that, to make the game more viable as an eSport. Um, but I feel like, like, like you're always saying like community drives eSports. Like if there's interest in a game, if there's interest in people watching and following a game and not just even, cause I, I, I think there's even at this point, you can have interest in watching and following a game with people, you know, streaming it on Twitch as opposed to following it from a competitive standpoint. But I feel like there's a thought, you know, like, like, like we saw here, there's what, a million dollar prize pool. Now it's up to 1.5 million. Oh, if we just throw money in here and it's even partially funded by the players through the microtransactions, well, people will chase the money, which I guess is technically true. I mean, that that's kind of buying legitimacy, that they're driving the community to, you know, bribing the community, basically, come pay attention to our game. And if, if you get interested enough, then that you know, give it enough time, then that becomes its own form of legitimacy. Like, oh, hey, there's this annual tournament that's been going on for a few years, and now we can just build off that that reputation as opposed to having to, you know, throw heaps of money at the prize pool. I guess that's kind of... I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily what happened with Dota even, but that's one of the things that you see whenever people talk about its legitimacy, you know, having been on ESPN and whatnot that, oh, well, the International had, like, a $16 million prize pool or whatever. Like, there's a ton of money there, therefore it must, it must be legitimate. And, uh, and I think what I want to see is rather than just companies throwing money to get everybody interested, that the community looks at it and says, oh, hey, I enjoy playing Halo. I enjoy playing this very competitively. I would want to see other people play this competitively. I'd rather see that kind of happen as an eSport that way. I mean, I know I jokingly referenced Hearthstone earlier, but... I feel like there was a move by the community, like a Hearthstone competitive community emerged I think almost from the moment Blizzard announced the game that Blizzard didn't need to do anything to make it an eSport. Like Hearthstone kind of became an eSport on its own, and then Blizzard had the infrastructure to support that. 
like I, I and I, I like and I, I'm not as you know my ears not as close to the heart to the Halo community as is for for you know Blizzard games, but I don't feel I don't, I don't get a clamor from people that play Halo like hey you know I enjoy playing Halo I want to see this as an esport the feeling I get like you said more with Halo is like I want to see what happens with Master Chief I want to follow the story with you know Spartan Locke not so much I want to see the multiplayer taken to the next level. Well, I mean that's the thing we. The Halo community definitely has two sets of people. Those who just do they they, they like to play the single player, they like it for the lore, but they also have a massive multiplayer community, and a portion of that community does like to play competitive. The reason why, and I, and I do think it's a good that three four three brought people from the community to help make it more competitive, because the thing that turns any game into a sport, it's the meta game. Did we have this conversation before about the meta game? Might have somebody else. <laughs> Well, basically, like think about regular sports, right? Basketball, football, baseball, even soccer. They're all just games. Football is about driving the ball into your opponent's scoring zone. Soccer is kicking the ball into your opponent's goal. Basketball is shooting you the ball into your into your opponent's hoop. You know that is they're just games like that. What actually turns them into sports is when people who play the game break down how the game works and then use that to create strategies to win. That's why if you play football with just a group of friends, right? Who's running for, unless your friends are like super serious about football, who's running defensive formations? You got, you know what I'm saying? Like who hit you get this guy, you get that guy, you get that guy, you know, everybody lines up. The quarterback is in the back. You know, maybe with the guy who's going to run, and that's about it. But, you know, and obviously in the NFL or even lesser football leagues, you have people running plays on both sides of the ball. With basketball, you have them running uh, plays because they know how things work. They even develop positions. You know, when basketball first came out, there was no positions. There were, there were no centers. There were no power forwards. There were no this. There were no that. That all developed over time as it was becoming a sport and people were breaking down the metagame. And that's what happens with video games, too. And that's why video games can be sports, because you can do the same thing. You can take how the game is played, break it down to its components, and since it is electronic or mechanical, you can break it down even more. That's why the fighting game community, they, they, they can count frames or they know which moves have uh, have uh, faster frames than others, or are complete in less frames than others, and so that helps them negotiate what moves they should do next, you know, or how they should put together their combos. It's breaking down the game into the metagame, and the people who are going to be able to break down the game into the metagame are the people who play it the most, because you start to notice that stuff. You start to notice that stuff, and you look into it. And that's, and so for the developer to bring in a group of people who have already who are already doing it that's probably the best thing they can do cuz the community even if you didn't want it to be a competitive game they can turn it into a competitive game yes the difference is now every developer and publisher they want to be involved in it versus back in the day when they would just give us the tools to make our own communities they we would make our own uh make our own competitive mods and make mods for anti cheating and global ban lists and stuff like that they don't do that anymore and that's actually i think that's that's not a good thing, and that's something we can get to another time. But yeah, like they they want to be involved and control stuff because they know there's there's money there. So I mean, like I guess the the community was gonna make it competitive anyway. Any type of shooter you play, I mean, shit, they made Hearthstone competitive. Come on, yes, you know, Hearthstone is competitive now. So 
yeah, there's no doubt that like there's a very competitive community for Destiny for a long time. When they say esports, they just want it to, in my opinion, they want it to be more spectatable. Like they want people to be able to spectate it and have a good time and watch it. To be honest, <laughs> that that that's what I'm saying. That makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, but uh, yeah, let's wrap up the podcast on that one. As always, thank you for listening. You can catch the Mashcast every Monday. Uh, you can also catch uh, Wild Talk on Tuesday, every other Tuesday. And then when you can't catch Wild Talk on Tuesday, you can catch In Orbit, which is our Destiny podcast. Uh, I, Wild Talk is obviously our WoW, a World of Warcraft podcast, but I didn't think I would have to. It's kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> so you over-explained it. Yeah, yeah, I just over-explained it. <laughs> but In Orbit is our Destiny podcast, and that is every other Tuesday. Wild Talk and In Orbit alternate. Uh, you can also catch... Double Tap, which is our fighting game community podcast. We actually just released one this past week. Uh, Dre uh, is still going to Crash Tag, is uh, still away, so it's Meza and Mikey on the ones and twos. Um, and you can catch them every the first week of every month. Uh, you can catch all of our podcasts on iTunes, on Overcast for iOS. I almost said Overwatch again. Yes, <laughs> iOS on Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Pocket Cast, and Player.fm. Soon, Google Play Podcasts. It will be on there for your listening pleasure, all four of our podcasts. We also have review podcasts, so keep an eye out for that whenever we do a review. And uh, where can they uh, where can they catch you on Twitter, Nick? At WookieBH. All right. And I am underscore jaw underscore on Twitter. Uh, the Mashless Buttons Twitter is at MTB site. And you can also catch us on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Mashless Buttons and youtube.com slash Mashless Buttons. We've been putting some video reviews up and some podcast highlights for you to enjoy. And we've got some other things coming soon, hopefully. <laughs> so just check all that out. And as always, thank you for listening, guys. And we'll catch you next week. Have a great week, everybody. 